Okay, everyone. Good afternoon. Uh, we are uh, getting ready for the holidays. Passover first uh, last night. We have the Easter weekend coming up. Uh, hope everybody is uh, maintaining their social distance and staying safe out there. Brett, good afternoon. How are you today? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Very good. Very good. And I think, you know, we, we've, we've started getting some momentum and getting some uh, output um, into the uh, – podcast stratosphere and uh today we're going to continue our uh odyssey we're going to take a look back at, at, at different positions in fantasy so we'll we'll kind of look at what happened last year and 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 some of our thoughts that how players will do this year and uh, the first position that we're going to tackle is the quarterback position which uh is obviously a very paramount position uh to your to your team's success it's uh it, it's kind of the it's it's an emphasis, not necessarily that you have to spend enough the, the most money on that particular player, but uh, it gets a lot of attention in terms of uh, scoring and offensive output. So, uh, you know, when I look back at the, the, the past year, you know, one of my biggest mistakes probably was underestimating uh, what the league MVP in, in, in Lamar Jackson did. And I know you had uh, views opposing you, you. You felt differently. You talked a little bit about that um, in our in our last episode, but. You know, certainly Lamar Jackson progress uh, with a more established uh, time under the under the his his coordinator and obviously getting used to and, and implementing uh, game plans for for his particular skill set. And I know you felt really good about that player coming into the year, uh, not like I did. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, for, before I get into we and we get into specific players, I, I just want to say that. You know, the, the point of this particular podcast and these series of podcasts that we're going to do is um, it doesn't matter if you've been in the league for a few years or you've been in the leagues for, you know, many, many years. It's a very important element to look back, try and remember what your mindset was on particular players and sure you could give yourself the old pat on the back when you you know you got one right and you hit a home run but it's equally as important to go back and look at players that you whiffed on why you whiffed on those players what took place and correct and look at things a little differently the following year and add on to the ones that you got correct and why you got them correct. So I think what we're doing is an important part of it. And uh, I know you like looking back um, at the years before, especially the previous year, and uh, I'm looking at players that you were right and wrong about. But, uh, you know, don't you, do you think, um, do you agree that that is also, uh, you know, a good thing to do is, you know, not only just, you know, the pat on the back, but, you know, where you went wrong and maybe why you went wrong? Yeah, I think so. I think self analysis and agreed, like looking at particular situations, why things didn't go the right way. You know, you may have forecasted it. You may not have seen it. It, it may have been too difficult for you. Um, and I think there's a few players we'll talk about today, but I think that's an excellent, excellent point. Really, really good point. Yeah, I, th yeah, I think I think so. You know, uh, the thing about some of these players um, is that, you know, a player may have disappointed, but what was the reason uh, they've disappointed, and uh, we'll get into that with specific players. And what was the reason they clearly exceeded any expectations? And yeah, Lamar Jackson, I was high on. I thought the, in in 2018, 
that they just put him in there for Flacco and they didn't really think about changing the offense to, uh, you know, to, to, to revolve around Lamar Jackson. They just kind of kept the same plays in there with that they were using for Flacco. And he was, you know, he, he showed flashes and then they kind of changed the system last year. They brought in Ingram. Uh, they really wanted to run the ball and certainly use Jackson with his legs and, 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 and the, you know, in some big plays in the passing game, that's what they're going to do. But, you know, if you take a look also at Pat Mahomes, uh, I know, you know, we both love that player. And, you know, because of injuries and certain circumstances and Tyree Kill was hurt as well, he he didn't um, live up to the rankings and expectations that we had. And, you know, th- there is a difference, right, between a player not living up to what we expected of them because of injury and, or because of just, you know, his his ability declined or other issues. And uh, I think you, you really have to try and parse through it and try and separate those things. Yeah, and I, you know, there's one player I am looking at right now, which is you speak exactly about a player who got hurt last year. But before he got hurt, it was very interesting to note that he was averaging the second most points per week at the quarterback position. And that was Matt Stafford, which I think, you know, that's a player coming into this year that I look at that has upside, has some young offensive talent around him. Maybe they get a step up from TJ Hawkinson, who was hurt a lot of last year. We know Galladay is progressing, but I looked at those numbers really struck me in that before he went down, Matt Stafford was averaging the second most points per week per quarterback in fantasy. So, so he's a guy I look at that maybe you know coming into this year probably will not be highly regarded in, in, in most people's draft boards, but he'll be a guy that I'll certainly be looking at you know for a cheap flyer at quarterback. Certainly, and I, I think that you know I think Matt Stafford is just one of these guys that just gets overlooked and overlooked and overlooked. But he he performs well. Um, I, I don't think the Lions, you know, really want to commit to the running game. I know they they have a good young running back, Carryon Johnson, that they really like. But I, I'm not sure that they really want to stay committed to the running game. So his numbers are, are going to be. Fairly good, much much better. I think he I think he exceeds his rankings almost every year. Matt Stafford, but another player that I think is an interesting player to talk about is James Winston, because if you talk about a player who was and is a better fantasy quarterback than he is an NFL quarterback, that's the guy right there. His numbers, fantasy wise, as far as the com- fantasy community was. Who cares if he's throwing two, three interceptions a game? It doesn't really matter. He's throwing several touchdown passes a game. He's throwing the ball almost every single down because usually Tampa Bay finds themselves trailing or in these wild games. And um, he, he, the yardage was was tremendous for him. His completions were com- you know tremendous. Big plays. If you have bonuses in your league, I mean, you know, it's it's very rare that you find a player that was so much better in the fantasy world, fantasy leagues scoring than he was as far as how an NFL quarterback would be judged just on his, you know, the, the decisions he made. I mean, Jameis Winston is the, is the poster 
poster guy for that. I think we saw a few years ago, even though he's not a starter anymore in the league, Blake Bortles had a similar type season where the team was always behind. He was throwing, and he ended up being a top five fantasy quarterback. Not, not certainly was not that wasn't the case at, at the position in terms of his stature. So you, you make a very very good point there. Now, now do you think a player like Winston? Um, you know, there's a, there's still a few teams that are in need of a quarterback. Do you think he'll he'll show up somewhere, or or is this kind of a waiting game for him? Could he could he potentially be in that same boat as say a, a Tannehill was last year, where he may have to go into a situation where he could potentially take a job later on in the season for whatever reason? Could be that he's the better player, or it could be because of injury. I, I see two paths for Jameis Winston this upcoming season. Path one is. He waits and a unfortunate injury happens to a starter of a, of a particular team. And then he gets in there. And the other one seems more likely is what I think you were getting at. Is he just, you know, is willing to be a backup um, somewhere, uh, whether it's behind Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh or, you know, Russ Wilson or a quarterback of that nature where he could get in with a good system, have a chance to play, especially with Pittsburgh and Roethlisberger having difficulty making it through a season as he gets older. But I think those are the two pads. And, um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people have soured on his decision-making. And, um, and I think that's why he finds himself in the predicament that he's in. That and the fact that Tampa Bay wanted to make sure they got Tom Brady. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And it'll be interesting to see. You know, we'll we'll segue into Brady, who was, you know, forty two years old, soon to be forty three. Kind of was in a situation where, for his career, he's always had a decent amount of talent around him. And, and last year, I think that was a little bit more challenged, um, and therefore he was not an effective fantasy quarterback. Um, he now goes into a situation where you mentioned a guy like James Winston had over 5,000 yards and, and, and thrived. Can Brady come back to eliteness because of what he has around him? Or, and how are you looking at that you know, versus his you know, potentially, I don't want to say diminishing skill set, but he's an older player. So what are you thinking about Brady coming into the season? And also we have to talk about the fact that he is going to be in a new system and he doesn't have the benefit, probably will not have the benefit of practicing as you normally would. Yeah, I think I think Brady, the one that universally is agreed about Tom Brady is he's a smart guy. So I think he looked at all of these teams, all of these situations. And I think he likes certainly the receiving core. Um, you know, they probably have... You know, with Godwin and, and Evans, you know, I, certainly an arguing debate if it's not certain that they have the best wide receiving duo in the NFL. They have two tight ends that, you know, they, I know Brady likes to use that to keep them in there for pass protection and also use them as outlets. I think they're going to address the running back game in this upcoming draft. But I, I think he looked at, I think he looked at the skill positions and I think he is going to be he, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be solid. I'm not going to say he's going to emerge because he has those two receivers and become a top five fantasy quarterback. I don't, I just don't see that, but I certainly see him being, being effective and being good enough. I, I know you're much higher um, on Godwin than Evans, as far as which of those receivers suits better 
with Brady throwing the ball. Yeah, and I, I just think we'll see Godwin in the slot a lot more. Um, I don't think Brady has the arm strength that he once did have, but his arm strength is still solid. So for those reasons, I think I think getting the ball down the field for those bigger plays for a guy like Mike, Mike Evans might be a little bit more difficult. He may be more effective as a red zone uh, threat, actually, but I think... Um, but I, but I do like Godwin there, and I think Brady could excel with this group, without a doubt. Um, you know, one one other player I want to talk about, and I know you really liked this player last year, and, and then we look at what he did statistically. Um, it was pretty incredible, and he's going to be also under a new coach in Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys. And Dak Prescott had a really, really, really tremendous fantasy year last year. Uh, in addition, he runs the ball, which is a great factor, but he was he was – Super, super solid last year. Ended up ranking number three in per week scoring. And I think number two in overall scoring is on the field for every game. Uh, he's been embroiled in these uh, contract talks for a long time. But I don't think Dak Prescott is going to sneak up on people this year. And he's got a lot of offensive talent around him as well. Yeah, I think I think it was a perfect storm for Dak Prescott fantasy-wise last year. Um Amari Cooper, he was a different quarterback with Amari Cooper. Uh, Gallup, as we've talked about before, is one of these emerging guys, a perfect number two guy. But besides that, he had some other key things that were in his favor. Randall Cobb just gives you that nice security blanket as the slot receiver can do things. And if you're not paying attention to him, he still has enough or still had enough in the tank. And that was a key factor. And then him getting his old reliable Witten back seemed like, you know, not such a big deal maybe to a lot of people, but still helped in the blocking game, but still catch those tough passes. Still he even looked for Witten a lot on those some of those crucial third down play. So I think it was a perfect storm for Dak Prescott last year. And I kind of agree that, um, you know, he's not going to surprise people this year. And I think he may even be on the other side of the coin. Maybe he may even be a little, you know, overvalued going into this year based on, uh, if you're looking at the stats and what he did last year, now they've lost Cobb, now they've lost Witten. Um, and I, I'm not, yeah, you know, we'll see what they're going to do. They may address the, the third wide receiver in, in this upcoming draft. But, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you about Dak Prescott not sneaking up on people this year. So it's hard to, it's always hard to kind of forecast who's going to be like a Dak Prescott for the coming year. I don't think, while I'm very high on the player just because of, what he did as a rookie and, and the weapons and the new weapons that he has around him, you know, Kyler Murray is not going to sneak up. He's going to be ranked very high. And, and I, and, and we've discussed this before. Do you think there's any candidates out there that may, and we know this consistent, consistent guys like Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan, super consistent. Is there a, is there a Dak Prescott coming into this year for you? I, I think that, I think there could be, um, you know, two players, uh, and one of them is that is is one of the two players is the player that is in that category. But two players that are going in different directions, and the player that I like ascending is Josh Allen. Um, I think they have the makings 
Um, I kind of like the way they use Singletary in the passing game, in the playoff game that they had against Texan. It was kind of like an under-the-radar thing that many people may not you know, remember, but he wasn't really used that much, and he really looked comfortable catching the ball. Now adding Diggs in that off-season trade with the Vikings to go along with Smokey Brown, that's big. Um, they have young tight ends that look good. Uh, they can run the ball. He himself is, is certainly not afraid to take off and run the ball, put his head down even. He kind of has like that reckless uh, abandonment to him that you know some of those old-school quarterbacks used to have. So I, I would say maybe Josh Allen is in that category ascending. And then um, you could talk about both of these players after this, but the other player that's going in the other direction is, seems to be Baker Mayfield. Um, and, uh, you know, if this coaching staff does not help that player, um, I'm not sure where Baker Mayfield is going to head because um, he has just was so poor in his decision-making last year. Um, the decisions that he made, especially in the red zone, was was horrific. He didn't seem to, to, to have a good feel for the when the, the pass rush, he would abandon the pocket way, way too early a lot of times. Uh, I thought he was horrendous last year, to be honest. Uh, I don't really care what his stats showed. It doesn't always tell the whole story. Um, so if the new coaching staff in Cleveland cannot turn this around, I'm not sure where things go for Baker Mayfield, considering he was a quarterback that I think people had Certainly in the top 10 going into last year, and even a lot of people had him as a top five potential quarterback, and he was, I thought, horrible. So what are your views on those two players? I have Allen ascending and Baker Mayfield descending. Yeah, I, I uh, next to Jameis Winston, uh, Mayfield threw the second most interceptions in the NFL last year. Uh, we didn't like the coaching situation. The The new coach has a disadvantage, and they can't prep the same way. Um, I don't like anything I saw. I, uh, sloppy footwork uh, as well. So I don't like I don't like anything with regard to Baker Mayfield right now. And I also think it's not it's a team that's not that's void of leadership. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is a distraction, and I think at times too too volatile a player. So I, I really don't like the situation. And I think that that team's going to want to run the ball more. So. So I agree with you on that one. Josh Allen, what he has done with his legs more so than his arm has been the exciting part, but he has not necessarily had all the tools around him to kind of help him. And as you mentioned, you know, I listen to Charlie Weiss a lot. Charlie Weiss's son coached Devin Singletary uh, in college, and, and, and Weiss, who's a very, very smart offensive guy, has glowingly spoken about uh, Singletary and what he could do. So to your point, I think I like to look at how guys finish the season. I think Singletary and that offense finished the season nicely. I really like Josh Allen. He's got to be more accurate. And, you know, Diggs is the number one receiver. They brought him in. So so I like I like those situations for them, um, for, for that team, for sure. Um, you know, I look at and I, I, the one, uh, one guy that I do want to speak about, and given that there's been a little bit of a – tip of the hand here in, 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 in a guy like Drew Brees, who's always been very effective as a quarterback um, in, in both for, as in real life and in fantasy. But now he comes into a situation where he's potentially in his last year. Taysom Hill is becoming a bigger part of the gadgetry. 
Is a guy like Breeze a, a risk coming into the into the 2020 season? Yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to when it comes to fantasy, you know, you don't want to you don't want to miss the wedding and then be part of the funeral and miss all of those years when he was a lead, a lead, a lead, and then go get the player and then have that decline. I mean, we've seen this, um, you know. We'll get the Phil. I'll get the Philip Rivers in a second because that's the example for this. But some of these quarterbacks, they they can just start and looking like they're declining in a hurry. And I wouldn't have a problem drafting Drew Brees, but I, I don't think he could be counted on as that sure thing, top five fantasy guy. Uh, you, there's always a little worry there. Uh, what, what, what are your views on that? Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement, and I think if I'm faced with that choice, there's and I mentioned the two players, and not that I wanted to spend little time on them, but I think the two safest guys that I can look at, rather than going in these kind of directions, Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan are the two safest guys that you can go with. They have, they have performed as consistently as anyone. Durability weapons around them uh not in the case of ryan he doesn't really do it with his legs but but i i think those are the two safest players to take at the quarterback position whereas you don't have to spend a lot of money and if you're in a serpentine draft there then you don't have to go really high for them but those are i'd rather have guys like that than drew Brees coming into this year yep i i agree and and the the last player i just previously mentioned that we could kind of give it a wrap unless you have any other quarterbacks you want to mention is Phillip Rivers. So the Colts feel like they are a playoff potential AFC champion, maybe even, you know, uh, uh, they have aspirations, I guess, that they could win the Super Bowl. And they've given Phillip Rivers $25 million to play this year. So the great news is they have an elite offensive line probably the best in football. They're all together. They've played the last couple of seasons. They're relatively young as well. And they do want to run the ball, and he will get the ball out on those short short passes. What I didn't like is last year, when they had the clean pocket, he didn't have the arm strength to get the ball out there. Some of those throws that he would make deep down the middle of the field or you would have to put in a tight window, he was unable to make. And it's not like he was playing in blistering cold weather like Chicago outdoors, and that was getting his way. He was playing in beautiful weather, so he'll be indoors. I'm not quite certain if he's going to be able to make those kind of throws that you're going to need in a tough playoff game against a good defense to win. Uh, what's your views on Rivers, what you saw last year, and what you forecast this year for that player? So I went into last year looking like, the char- as you remember, I, my prediction was that the Chargers were the Super Bowl uh, probability from the AFC. So how did that work out? Um, I had Mike Williams with double-digit touchdowns, um, Phillip Rivers Short armed consistently last year, they you know he was more dependent on on dump offs and and passes to his tight end, who who were all you know guys like Eckler and and Henry very good performers. But I just felt I was watching a player uh, who was in decline. Um, hopefully he can bounce back from that. But that that was that was my personal view on on Philip Rivers, and he's a player that I'd probably 
would stay away from. He'd be someone that I would be just looking to back up on on bye weeks and uh, as a potential uh, for an injury backup. That's that's the extent of my view on Philip Rivers coming into this year. Yeah, I would I would I would agree about that. And uh, yeah, I think just you know wrapping it up is that it's you know always important to look back, uh, try and remember what your thoughts were. Uh, what you did well on, what you didn't do well on. And if you didn't, you know, if you missed on a player, what were the reasons for that? Try and, you know, erase and, and learn from your mistakes and try and expand on the good ideas and thoughts you have. That's the, you know, that's the important thing about looking back and doing a little research from the year or even a few years back and putting that into your strategy for the upcoming draft. And I'm going to say that and that's, Super, super important, and, and your points are outstanding. Uh, so I think two players that will go in opposite directions for this year. I didn't. Li- I, I think there was one player who, who won games by himself last year um, as a very young player and a very raw player, and then the other guy just never recovered from a team that went to the Super Bowl in the previous year. So I think two players that are going opposite directions for me for this coming season. I like an ascending Daniel Jones, and I'm not just being a homer because I'm a Giant fan. He's got to take better care of the football and not fumble it. But, boy, he, he had some great, great games, and his legs are a big part of what he does. And a player which I think is between the system, the offensive line, and and some damage to his offensive skill players uh, Jared Goff is a player to me that goes in the opposite direction. I, I, I'd be looking for one of those. I, I like Jones moving up and Goff moving down. Yeah, I think I, I think that makes sense. I think the thing with Daniel Jones is his skilled players are all injury prone and have difficulty staying on the field. And uh, it, it, the Giants on paper have good skill players. And if they could stay on the field, uh, I would agree with you. I mean, heck, he could just still dump off to Saquon Barkley all day and probably throw for 300 yards of passing a game if that player, you know, stays on the field. And Ingram um, has shown to be when he's playing that he's, uh, you know, a top five, top seven tight end. Uh, it, it's more about, to me, with Daniel Jones, two things, his his skill players staying on the field and, and, and you know, his – ball security, which he seems to get in trouble with. But I, I think as he gets a little bit more experienced, he can improve in that factor. As far as his players and skills positions staying on the field, that's got nothing to do with him. But gotta you got to like what you started Daniel Jones last year, especially his ability to extend plays and actually you know run the ball for big plays as well. Yep, that's awesome. All right, great, Brett. So a, a nice little uh... – Round the league uh, look at quarterbacks. We'll be back with uh, some of the other skill positions, and, and, and we're even going to take a look at kickers and defenses. So thanks, everyone, and uh, have a good one.